day and enjoy that meal with us today if you can. Well, Merry Christmas to you in advance. This is the Christmas season, but more importantly, it is the Advent season. And I've been preaching this little two-part message, our message entitled, The Advent Message. The Advent Message. We are, as I mentioned last week, uh, by denomination, by faith community, Seventh-day Adventists. That is the faith community and the faith tradition that we belong to. And as we broke down in that word, Seventh-day Adventists, that we are Christians who believe in God, amen, and we believe in Jesus. We're not a cult. We're not weird. But we worship and we practice God's seventh-day Sabbath. And so we're seventh-day Adventists, and Advent, as we are going to talk about, uh, Advent means the coming or God's coming. And so Advent, the first Advent, is God coming to the earth, and the second Advent is when he comes again. And so we believe in the second coming of Jesus. We believe that he is going to come again. And so we are, and we believe that as a church, we have a special message and a special work for that time when Jesus comes again. We believe Jesus is coming very soon. All you have to do is watch the news and you will know that Jesus needs to come soon. Because I don't know how much more I can take. I'm just telling you, I can't take no more. So the Lord's coming again and we are Seventh-day Adventists. So, but we're talking today about the first advent, the first coming of Jesus. And there is a message in the first coming of Jesus. God is saying something by coming in the first, the first time. So we looked at this one little passage of scripture. That's the one we're going to, to, uh, to land on today. Anchor on is in Matthew chapter one, right in the beginning. And uh, we're going to look at just these two verses here. 18 and through 20, or a few verses, 18 through 23. Here's what it says. Uh, Look, the virgin, I'm just reading from verse 23. Look, the virgin will conceive a child. She will give birth to a son. They will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. Last week, we looked earlier at verse 21 where the, the angel told Joseph to name him Jesus. Name him Jesus. And Jesus meant he will save. And we talked about this last week. You can find this on our app, on our podcast, on the app. That that meant that Jesus was to come and save us from our sins. It was a rescue mission, right? It was a purposeful mission. It was about God's mercy, And today we're looking at the other name of Jesus that was told by the angel and proclaimed by the angel for for the child to be called Emmanuel. And the scripture gives us the meaning right there, that it is Emmanuel, God with us. God with us. Jesus means God saves. Emmanuel means God with us. There are about 50 names throughout Scripture for Jesus. But in this particular nativity narrative, Jesus is to be called the one who saves us from our sins. And he is the one who is called God with us, Emmanuel. 
I think it's interesting to, to note here, and the best way I could describe it is this way, that the first part, the first name that we mentioned of Jesus means that God, it's, it speaks of God's purpose of, a, of mercy, right? That God says, I am going to bring salvation to you. Even though we deserved it, even though we deserved death, he says, no, I am going to bring salvation and deliverance, and I'm going to do it from your sins. That ought to be good news. That's God promising, I'm going to bring you freedom. I'm going to deliver. You don't have to stay the same way you've been. I can free you from your past. I can free you from your addiction. In fact, I got to celebrate my man real quick. Because one year ago on this day, come on, Mike, just come on up, man. One year ago, one year ago, we celebrated one year. And this year, we celebrate two years of sobriety. My man, Mike, congratulations, man. And, and he doesn't come by himself anymore, right? He comes, with, he comes with Katie, and she is celebrating 15 months of sobriety. And so, congratulations, man. God bless you. Love you, man. Because not everybody gets to one year. And not everybody gets to two years. But Jesus promises to save us from our sins, right? The freedom from it. And so his saving power is his mercy. But I believe his Emmanuel name, his God with us, is about his mission. I want you to think about this for a second. Think about this this thought. God with us. The context, the power, the majesty of God, the eternal God, can somehow be with us. Okay, I don't think, let me go on this side. The eternal, all-knowing, sovereign God has found a way to package himself Inside the human experience. Because you do know the Bible describes God in a way that is very dangerous. That, the, that we can't, if I can say it in my, in my hood vernacular, we just can't roll up on Jesus. Right? Like, that's a situation. Because he is, as the Bible describes him, a consuming fire. And what is not holy And what is not righteous cannot stand in his presence. So so when Jesus comes again, this is why we believe in a second coming of Jesus. We don't believe in a secret coming of Jesus. Because when Jesus comes again, it's going to be a problem. Because he's coming as the conquering king. He's coming with thug life tatted on his chest. Like, that's the way he's coming. He's coming to bring restoration, and he's coming to bring judgment to the earth for those who refused his salvific work. So the, the, the fact that God's like, I'm not going to let you figure this out on your own. I'm actually going to be with you. I'm going to enter in to the human experience through Jesus and somehow contain my glory. I mean, that that must have been difficult for Jesus. 
Because, like, nature recognizes their creator's voice. Okay, because, you know, you get annoyed, and Jesus could have been like, let there be 60 packs of lions to show up. You know, like, he could have been like, he could have done a lot of things. And nature would have responded to him. In fact, we see in Scripture when he's talking to waves and he's talking to illness and he's talking to demonic spirits. And when the demonic spirits roll up on Jesus, they're like, whoa, 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 wait a minute. What you doing here? My bad. Look, we were just playing. We were just playing. We don't mean no harm. Please don't, don't mess with us yet. Is it time yet? You hear kind of early, Jesus. So God with us, it means something. Now, what in the book of Matthew, Matthew uh, brings a lot of these, these words and these descriptions from the book of Isaiah. And Isaiah is a very interesting book. It's almost like a mini Bible. It's exactly 66 books, like the Bible, 66 books. And it kind of follows the same narrative, kind of beginnings and endings. And it's a really powerful book. And I want to throw some facts up here real quick for you about the book of Isaiah. Because there's a theme, there's a thread that rolls through scripture, and that is a thread of the Messiah. And so Jesus took the office of Messiah. Messiah was like an office. It was something that everyone was looking forward to for years and years and years. And Jesus was, what Matthew is trying to show us is that Jesus is now the fulfillment of the Messiah as it has come. And so there's some things that I thought you'd be interested about this. The, the, the messianic promise of the Messiah, it, it, it goes all throughout Scripture. And in, in Isaiah, there's 15 passages that mention what the Messiah was going to be like. And between this book and when Jesus actually came was 500 years. So think about that. The, the fact that he would be born of a virgin, that's 500 years ago. The fact that in Isaiah, you read about how he's going to die and what's going to happen to him. All of that points exactly to the fulfillment of Jesus. And so Jesus coming into the human experience for God to be with us is, is really this. It's a ministry of presence. It's God showing up. It's, God, it's a ministry of presence. God says, I can come to you if you need me. And when I come to you, I bring my whole self. I bring everything that I have and who I am with me when I come to you. When we read that Jesus came to the earth, the, the Bible teaches us that Jesus, he says, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. There is no mean God in the Old Testament and somehow loose God in the New Testament. That's not the truth. The same way Jesus was in the earth, you, that's who God is. He's merciful. He's kind. He's gracious. And Jesus embodies this by the ministry of presence. I never forget when I was in middle school, these were the, these were the hype uh, of my football career. It ended in middle school. And my mom is here. Mom, just go ahead and wave your hand. Y'all can see mom. She's here still. And uh, my high school, you know, my highlight years were seventh and eighth grade middle school football. That's as far as it got. And I remember, you know, mom couldn't come to a lot of games, but I remember this specific game mom came to. She probably remembers it too. I was a running back. Go figure that. I was a running back. Took the kickoff. 
and got the kickoff, and I noticed when I got the kickoff that my mom was in the crowd. See, my mom hadn't showed up yet, and I got the kickoff, and she was right there on the sideline. And you know, like, is somebody there? Somebody's there, like, in a moment like that. You just, you might know what I'm talking about. You just feel, yeah, it's a ministry of presence. Right, she just had to be standing there, and, and Marcus, man, I, I, I felt I felt great, like I saw holes opening up, and I started breaking through, and I started breaking through a whole bunch of tackles. I got down the sideline, and well, I got tired. That's <laughs> I was running so hard, I got tired, and it was only one guy to beat. This is an epic run back, you know, in my history of middle school football, and I had one guy to beat. And I got so tired that when he got to me, I just fell down. I'm sorry. I, I was too tired. <laughs> and so I made it look like he just really hit me hard. And my mom, of course, don't you do that to my baby. <laughs> now, mama, you was trying to help me. But that was the end of my season. Because every practice when somebody tackled me, you already know what the boy said. Don't you do that to my baby. Huh? No, that, that, I, I can't hear what she's saying. She said they used to pick me up and carry me around. That, you, that, that's not true. That is not true, Mom. I was helping them. I was helping them pick me up and throw me around. It's not true. I remember this summer, <laughs> I decided to embody the ministry of presence. And I went to my first ever pride festival. Left after church, didn't tell nobody. Walked or drove right down to Pasco, and I went to the pride festival. Anybody know what the pride festival is? Anybody know? Been there before. So I was looking, I was excited because I wanted to see, I wanted to be there because there is a part of our community that needs a ministry of presence. They're just people. And so I wanted to show up. And it was interesting when I showed up and I walked around and I went to every single booth and I went and registered and I, I met different people. And when I introduced myself, I saw the biggest shock on their face. They said, wait a minute, you are a pastor? I'm like, yeah. You are a Seventh-day Adventist pastor? Yep. And you're here? I'm like, yep. And I didn't have to do anything. I didn't have to say anything. What I said was, look, I'm here to learn. I'm here to grow. I'm here to understand. And I have been doing some work before I came. But I wanted to show that as a church, that we love all of our community and we are a safe place for all of our community. And it was a ministry of presence. I just showed up. In fact, that's what I want this church to be. That's the vision of this church. That we say it all the time. That church doesn't start when you get here. When does it start, church? It starts when you leave. And we're going to be a church that's a ministry of presence. As I look across the room, we are one church with 85 locations, because wherever you are, we are. 
Wherever you are, God is. It's a ministry of presence. And so Jesus shows up with the deaf. He shows up with the lame. He shows up with the prostitutes. He shows up with the gangbangers. He shows up with the tax collectors, and he he eats with them. He hangs out with them. He plays PlayStation with them. He goes over their house. He hugs them. He makes relationships and friends with them, not because he's trying to, because they're more sinful than anybody else. It's really because the people he was around actually recognized that he was God. Because the church folks didn't get it. They had all the prophecies, they had all the scriptures, and here God shows up and they didn't even see him. See, that's what's interesting about the ministry of presence. Because I believe it's a practical thing that we as believers need to take with us wherever we go, wherever, wherever we go. Because sometimes we have a problem of not showing up. Can I preach that for a second? Like you're in the room, but you haven't shown up. Right? You're on a date, but you're really not there. Like I don't know who that is that showed up. And you got to be careful because you don't know who that one is who showed up either. In the house but not really there. And we can be make the mistake of working two and three jobs to try to buy the best Christmas presents that we can for our kids, and all they really need is a ministry of presence. Not a ministry of presence, but a ministry of presence because great Christmas presents don't raise nobody. And they might be better off if you were at home, it might be better off if you made less money and spent more time with your family because your family is waiting for you to show up. Your boss is waiting for you to show up. Your professor is waiting for you to show up. You are waiting for you to show up. I want to speak to the sisters. I want to encourage the sisters too. There's some brothers and there's some sisters looking for a wife. Wait, let me say that again. That's true. That is true. What I meant was, <laughs> there's some brothers looking for a wife. There's some sisters looking for one too. But there's some brothers looking for a wife. And, and let me just give you a tip going into 2020. Bible says, when he finds a wife, he finds a good thing. Right? Which means he finds a wife. Mm-hmm. So, and the man finds a wife, and a wife finds a husband, which means you are either a wife or a husband before you even get married. So, if you want to show up as wife, if you want to show up as husband, you got to be husband and wife now, which means you only are with one person, amen? Like, you don't get to practice and test run with everybody and then be like, I'm going to marry you. That don't work. It's a ministry of presence because what happens is you can give so much of yourself away, you don't got none of yourself left. And yourself has changed so much because you've gone through so much that you can't really show up. And God is like, I want to save you from yourself, 
I want to redeem and restore the you that I've called you to be, regardless of your mistakes, because when you show up, I show up. When you invite me into your life, the gift and the skills and the talents that I've given you, it multiplies, and I can do amazing and great things when you show up. And so Jesus... um, has this mantra. He has this ministry that he can watch and read in Isaiah. And I'm going to skip through the text I was going to share for time. I was going to share Isaiah 9, 1 through 7. I was going to share Isaiah 61, uh, verses 1 through 8. And both of those particular scriptures, uh, as I mentioned, there's 15. But those particular ones, it, it, it talks about what Jesus is going to do, the ministry. And remember, at this point in our scripture, he's just a child. He hasn't, he can't even talk. He can't walk. I don't want you to think like Jesus was, you know, born. And he was like, hello, mother. You know, that didn't happen. Right? He was a baby. He was an infant. He grew in grace. He understood his purpose over time. And this ministry of presence through the promise of Jesus and the child, I thought that I would bring out these three things that might help us. That might just give you some encouragement. Because what God is promising is, I'm going to be with you. I'm going to be with you. God says, I'm going to show up. When you call me, when you need me, I will be with you. Here's the scary part. Even when we don't want God around, he's still with us. A couple people laughing. Even when we're in the place we are not supposed to be, God in his mercy still shows up. God's, God's made me really uncomfortable in the past. I'll just be honest with you. Like, God, you're not supposed to be in the club right now. Right? You're, not, you're not supposed to be with me right now. This ain't a good time. Any of y'all ever prayed beforehand, Lord, forgive me for what I'm about to do? Anybody ever prayed that? Lord, forgive me. I'm getting ready to do this. And then I just won't talk to God for about three days. Hopefully he'll forget about it. Then I'll pray. Give God some time to cool down. God, 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 is, God is, is with us. He's with us. Here, here's some texts that I thought would give us some encouragement about this ministry of presence. Because I want you to see this, how much he's with us. First of all, he's with us. It's a ministry of presence in our past. Your journey with God didn't start today. It didn't start when you started coming to church it didn't start when you kind of awoke to some faith consciousness or somebody invited you. It didn't start there. It started way before you got here. It started in the womb. It started in the mind of God. He was like, I'm going to create you, and I'm going to, you are going to be this, and you're going to have these parents and this gift, and I'm going to raise you from there. Look at what Isaiah says, the, 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 book, the writer of the book of Isaiah. Look what, he, look what he saw in Isaiah chapter 6, uh, verses 1 through 4 on the screen. He said, it was the year of King Uzzah died, and I saw the Lord. He was sitting on a lofty throne, and the train of his robe filled the temple. Attending him were mighty seraphim, each having six wings. With two wings, they covered their faces. With two wings, they covered their feet. With two, they flew. They were calling out to each other. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of heaven's armies. The whole earth is filled with his glory. Let's stop right there. 
Oh, yeah, you give them the praise for that. Holy, 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 the whole earth is filled with his glory. Think about it this way. There is no place you can go on earth that God has not been there and is not there and is not going to be there. The whole earth is filled with his glory. That means God was there before you got there. You're never in a situation or in a place where God is not. So before you came out, before you came to being, God already knew who you were, and he was doing things behind the scenes that you couldn't even see, protecting you and guiding you and helping you through the most difficult moments of your life. We wrestle with difficult things, but I'm persuaded that there are things that we don't even know that was facing us. We have no idea what the enemy had in store for us. And it's the grace of God that he's already been there in your past. You know, as, as long as I've been pastored, I, I find that people who come to know God and come strong in their faith, really what they are doing is they're really just being reminded. It's not anything new. It's, it's really just reminding you of where God has already been in your life. If you look carefully and you look closely and you interview the story, you'll find that God was there. Even in the moments that weren't favorable, God was there for you. His whole earth is filled with glory. The angels are like, God has never stopped being holy. Like God is the bomb all the time, 24 hours a day. It's a 24-hour channel. We can't even take a breath. We're just saying holy, holy, holy. So God's ministry is a ministry of presence, and it's a present in the past. That this Messiah was promised. It was God saying, I'm going to do this, and I'm going to fulfill my promise. It's also a presence of now. Look at Matthew chapter 30, uh, 20, is it 28, 21. 25. Look what Jesus says. He says, but when the son of man comes in his glory and all the angels with him, then he will sit upon his glorious throne. All the nations will be gathered in his presence and will, he will separate the people as a shepherd from the sheep, from the goats. He will place the sheep at his right hand and the goats at his left. Then the king will say to those on his right, come. You who are blessed by my father inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the creation of the world. For I was hungry and you fed me. I was thirsty and you gave me drink. I was a stranger and you invited me into your house. I was naked, Lord have mercy, and you gave me some clothes. I was sick and you cared for me. I was in prison and you visit me. Let's, let's break that down for a second. Because that means Jesus is in places and in people that we're not expecting. Jesus is saying, you're going to be ministered, you have ministered to me and you didn't even realize it. You just invited someone. You just invited someone to family dinner. You just joined a small group. You just went out and did ministry. You were just being your smiling self at your job. And there were people who were blessed because my presence 
was in those who were marginalized and ignored. You were looking for me in the temple, but I was really downtown. Right? You were looking for me in the high place, but I really was in the, in the low place. Don't you remember that, that foxes have holes and birds have nests, but I have no place to lay my head. Jesus was a homeless vagabond. He was a marginalized person. He was poor, and he chose that. He said, I could have come in a train of roads as a king, but I chose to embody myself with a teenage pregnant mother. Y'all ain't listening to me. I came under a teenage pregnant mother in a blended relationship on the east side of town, Nazareth, in the hood. I moved to Africa, lived there for five years, and came back, and that's how I embodied myself. Sometimes Jesus is in places that you don't even know that he's there. It's a presence of now, and we can miss Jesus looking for him in some majesty, some glorious, some holy thing. And God's like, I'm actually right here at the parking lot in Jack in the Box. Like, that's where I'm at, because you're flipping out over some Cheerios that were overcooked. Your fries are too salty, and you're getting ready to come back around and cuss somebody out, and that's the very person that I've placed there to teach you how to show up at your job. Because they're working at McDonald's with pride and joy and happy, and you hate your job. You can't stand your job, and they're working at McDonald's with, calm, with, with a calm spirit and patience, and they're showing up. It's a ministry of now. Here's the last one, a ministry of future. Here's what I love about the book of Matthew. So it starts with the prophecy saying to Jesus, of Jesus, God is with you. And then Jesus at the end of the ministry journey, as he's getting ready to prepare to go to heaven, he looks at his disciples. He says, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. So I've already done the cross. It's over. It's defeated. I won the victory. Now, therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son of the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands. Somebody say all the commands. To obey all the commands I have given you. And here's what he says. Be sure of this. I am what? I am with you always, even until the end of the age. That's a promise for you. That's a promise for you. Jesus is saying, I'm not going to leave you or forsake you. I'm not going to leave you or forsake you. I am going to be with you until the end of the age. And Jesus was saying this with a dual meaning. Because who was he talking to? He was talking to his disciples. And he was talking to the church. He wasn't just talking to his disciples then. He was talking to his disciples sitting here in New Movement Church. He says, I'm going to be with you 
as you do your ministry, as you walk in life, I'm never going to forsake you. I'm never going to leave you. I'm going to be with you until the end of the age. And maybe this Christmas, as you sit down and you think about all the wonderful things under the tree or whatever you celebrate, that you've got this gift of the presence of Jesus in your life. And here's the problem. When you show up with Jesus, it's a situation. When you show up on your job, that means Jesus showed up. When you show up in the house to that unbelieving spouse or unbelieving child, you are showing up with a ministry of presence. You are showing them the Spirit of God in a compelling, loving way. You're not beating them up with Scripture. I don't think that's possible. The Bible's too soft to beat somebody over the head with it. But you are showing in your posture, in your grace, in your compassion, that I know you may not feel that God is close to you, but I'm close to you. And because I'm here, God shows up. And when you begin to pray in agreement with God, when you begin to work in tandem with him, stuff has to change. When you invite God into your life, into your marriage, into your kitchen, into your bedroom, into your bank account, into your career, when you invite him here, he finds space and he settles in. And when God is involved, stuff has to change. And so the message... The Advent message is that Jesus came and he's coming again, but he's never going to leave. He's never really going to leave you alone. He's always going to make a way. And what you may feel is bad news. What you may feel even is good news. It's all in the hands of God to prepare you for a day when he comes again. And he says, you will be with me in paradise. We're just getting started. We're just going to experience a world without pain, without sin, without racism, without sexism, without politics, without violence, without murder, without chaos, without theft, without inequality. That world is coming, but you live in this world, and I need you to show up with a ministry of presence. The good news is to let people know that God has not forgotten about them. He hasn't left them, but he will be with you in the midst of your trial, your circumstance. And so today, there's an invitation that God wants you to make. He just wants to be invited in. He just wants to be invited into the situation. And sometimes he shows up in ways that you're not expecting. He shows up in people that you weren't expecting. He shows up in moments that you weren't expecting. Some of the best prayers that God ever answered was the word no. I never forget when the girl I was dating for five years, God said, she ain't the one, playboy. 
You need to let that go. Because I got a sister named Melissa Joy Weber that's waiting on you, bruh. And you better, you better learn how to say no. So God's waiting for an invitation. And sometimes he says yes. Sometimes he says no. Sometimes he says wait. But when you invite him in, he's promising you, I will be present with you. And that's all he wants. So today I want to give somebody the opportunity to make that invitation. I ask that you would bow your heads and close your eyes. We'll make this real quick. We've identified five things at this church that we call get in the flow. And these are decisions that we believe every believer, when they make, they're in the flow of God's grace. We say for you to just get started. Just make a decision to say, God, I'm going to invite you to be the leader of my life. Jesus, I invite you to not only be Savior, but to be with me and that you won't leave me. I believe it. For some of you, you need to make that decision to get baptized. As you read in that scripture that God, that he told the disciples to go and make disciples, he said to baptize them and to teach them. Baptism is just the beginning. For some of you, you need to make that decision to say, I'm going to make it public that I made that decision. For some of you, you got to get invitational. You've got to invite people not only to what God is doing in you, but what God is doing in this church. And open your heart and your life to people. God is also asking that you would make the decision to get involved, to be on a team, to be a part of what God is doing in this church. And then finally, to to get generous with your time, with your resources, with your gifts. Some of you see things that I don't see. Some of you have gifts that our leadership doesn't have. And God has sent you here so that we can get better and we can grow. And so today I want to give you an opportunity. If you want to make any of those decisions, or maybe a couple of them, as our eyes are closed and our heads are bowed, I'm just going to ask you to raise your hand so I can pray for you. God bless you. I see your hand. Go ahead and raise those hands. God bless you. I see you too. Don't be ashamed. God bless you. Thank you for your decision. I want to pray for you today. I see all your hands. Father God, in the name of Jesus, as our hands were raised, when we say the name of Jesus, we know what it means. It means you've come to save us from our sins. You've come to be with us. And I pray today for every hand that was raised, every decision that was made, that you are celebrating in heaven, that your glory is filling the earth and filling the temple. And so today as they leave and they've made that next step and they've decided to get in the flow, I pray that you will bless them abundantly. I pray that they will feel your presence and know that you're with them and that you've never left them. We love you and we thank you. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Come on, church. We celebrate every lost son.